0: Lord, we ask you to bless this study for those that will listen and all those on the internet. We ask you to bless this time, help it to be useful. In Jesus' name, amen. First Corinthians, excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Starting at verse 1. Moreover, brethren, we do to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in great trial of affliction and abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded into the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and behold their power, which they willingly, willing of themselves, praying us as much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship and the ministry of the saints. And this they did not as we hoped, but first gave of their own selves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. Insomuch that we desired Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace there also. Therefore we, as ye abound in everything, in faith, in utterance, in knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love to us, see that you abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others, and to prove the sincerity of your love. For you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that... Though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that through his poverty might be rich. And there, where herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you who have begun before not only to do but also to be forward a year ago. All right, here we see Paul going to the people. He's working on a process of collecting a gift for Jerusalem Church. In Jerusalem, the people would get saved, and when they got saved, they they were in essence, be turning their back on their Jewish roots, and the people would disown them. And so they were poor. And he says, Moreover, brethren, we do to wit the grace of God bestowed upon you. I want you to understand is what he's saying. I want you to know the grace that God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. And he says... How uh, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy, and their deep poverty abounded into the riches of their liberality says, that their great trial. And trial here is the idea of proving that something is worth something. God will keep trying our faith. He will work on teaching us and proving to us what we believe. Uh, In the Truth Project, the tagline is, do you believe that what you believe is really real? And this is what God is saying. Do you believe? I'm going to try your faith to see. Do you believe? And it says affliction, pressure. And it says the abundance of their joy. You know, one of the great signs of a Christian is joy, that inner sense of peace, that idea that we want to be looking at others and helping others, and that we want to just be joyful. Not happy, because we're not always going to be happy with everything that happens, but joy and inner peace. He says, you had an abundance of joy. And he says, out of their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of liberality. In other words, they gave out of their poverty. And it's kind of an amazing thing that God so often gets the greatest work out of those who seem to have little. And here he's saying, you had deep poverty. You had a great depth of poverty, and yet you abounded. You exceeding above measurements to the riches of their liberality, their, their giving. And here Paul says, you know, these churches were poor, and yet they gave. You know, so often we see this happening when we don't seem to have much. We're challenged by God to give. And it's a wonderful thing to see how people can respond in their giving. Verse 3, for to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves. In other words, he goes, they gave everything they could and then even beyond. And I love verse 4, praying with us, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift. This seems to indicate that Paul was trying to tell the people, oh, you've given too much. We can't take this much gift. And they're telling him, take it. And this is something that needs to be learned by people. When somebody wants to give a gift to you, accept it with graciousness. Even if you don't think you need it or deserve it, accept their gift. Don't rob them of the blessing of giving because of your desire not to receive. If you really don't think you deserve it, give it give it away to somebody else. Keep moving it forward to somebody else that might need it, but don't take away from there. I and mean, this is what the people in Macedonia were telling Paul: Don't you know? Don't t- tell us we can't give. We want to give this. And it says, take and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. And this word for for ministry uh, fellowship here is to be called near, to call to solace. He goes, we want to help those other saints take this and you minister it to those saints. And verse 5, and they. And this they did not as we hoped, but first gave of their own selves to the Lord and then and unto us by the will of God. He says, they exceeded. They went so far beyond what... Paul was expecting. Paul was hoping for, a, for just a small gift, something that something to help the church, and they overabundantly gave to him, and, and not only of them, but also to Paul and, his, and the ministers. And Paul says, so much that we desired Titus that, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace. So Paul said, I'm sending Titus to you, to continue so that you can have a part in this great offering. And Titus started this in the past. And he, we're asking him to finish it and let you guys finish. Macedonia is given given a gift. He's asking them to give. You know, And Paul's being bold here. He's asking these churches to give to help the poor in Jerusalem. And he's expecting them to give willingly. And he says... Okay, Corinthians, here's your chance to step up. Now, therefore, as you abound in everything, in faith, in utterance, in knowledge, and in diligence, and in your love for us, so see that you abound in this grace also. So Paul is challenging them. He says, you have great faith. You show your faith all the time. Your utterances, your, your gifts of the Spirit being managed, your knowledge, how much you know, and in your diligence and in your love to us, He says, see also that you abound in this gift of grace also, this gift to Jerusalem. So he's challenging them. You are a strong church. You are a good church, Corinthians. Give. Show your faith in your giving to the other churches that have need. Then he goes on. I'm not speaking as a commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of other and to prove the sincerity of your love. So in other words, he's telling you, I'm not commanding you to give. I'm giving you the opportunity to prove that you are going to do this for others. To prove to, to the idea here is Docimoso, to prove that something is true. It's spoken of individuals who would test the coins of the, of the Roman Empire to make sure they, had, they were the right weight. They hadn't been shaved down. They were legitimate coins of the realm and it says prove your sincerity your love your offering your you're proving that you're that you are tried of your love love is so important for us you know, we love because God loves us you know we're told to be, we love him because he first loved us and our love is to be shown to others and this word for love is agape that's the idea of unconditional love we're not loving them anybody because they deserve it we're not loving them because we're going to get something out of it it's we choose to love them unconditional unmerited love that is an objective love that is love just because we say it it is God's love for us it's objective love it is without reason he loves us because He chooses to love us, not because we love Him, not because He's going to get anything. He chooses to love us, and because He chooses to love us, He will always love us because God does not change. And He says, I want to see that love coming from you so that you love others and that you are sincere in that love. And God tests the sincerity of our love. When we are loving somebody and we think that we're getting something back out of it, God may say, I want you to love them whether you get anything back from it or not, and just draw back anything. His example was in verse 9 For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that through his poverty you might be rich. What a blessing! the gift of grace from Jesus. He was rich in heaven. As God, he had everything. He was the creator. He knew no lack. He had no problems, no sin, no no issues. And he came to this world, became a person living without And we think about this when jesus christ came to this world to become flesh he did not go to the palace to be treated special he did not go to a wealthy family to have everything that he could ever desire he went to a poor couple how do we know that they're poor well their gift at the eight day celebration were two turtle doves that was the gift of the poor person who could not afford a lamb and they came with the lowest of the incomes. They were poor. He lived in a very poor family. He did not have a lap of luxury that if he wanted something, he got it. When he was being raised, he had every reason to not be happy. Every reason not to be satisfied. He did not get a new new toy every time the, the toys came out. He did not get everything that he ever wanted or desired. He lived in a poverty stricken family. He became poor. He suffered the abuses of Satan trying to get him to sin, and yet he did not sin. It says, for though he was rich, yet he became poor, and that literally is beggarly. He had nothing to speak of. That, through his poverty, you might be rich god's great blessings because he became flesh because he went to the cross to die for us because he rose again in victory and went back to the father he can give riches to us that are so super abundantly great he is infinitely rich so that if he gives each one of us a piece of his infinite infinite riches we have infinite riches as well at our availability not just physical riches this is emotional spiritual eternal riches in heaven and to a degree god gives us blessings on this world but our goal is not blessings on this world our blessings are for eternity and this is what he's saying jesus came lived with nothing so that we could have everything. It's such a wonderful, wonderful gift of grace. Grace has an acronym that people like to quote, God's riches at Christ's expense. Jesus paid everything so that we could have all the riches of God. We had to think about that. What does that mean to us? When we pray, do we pray expecting God to be willing to bless, willing to help others? Are we looking at this world or are we looking at eternity? Are we looking at people getting saved and going into eternity with Christ? Or are we looking at things that we can get? His riches are not just worldly riches. They are eternal spiritual riches. that We lay up our treasure in heaven where and wrath do not destroy. And here we see why do we have it? Because Christ gave up all. He gave up all of his righteousness, righteous position within heaven. He gave up all of the wealth of heaven so that we could be able to be accepted into heaven and have the, the riches that he had. And he goes, This is so wonderful. And verse 10 And wherein I give my advice. For this is expedient for you who have begun not only to do, but also to forward a year ago. So Paul said, you started this a year ago. You know, my advice is finish it. It's expedient. It is reasonable. It is, it is what you should be doing. And I'm encouraging you to do this. Finish the gift that you started a year ago this is so easy we do this oftentimes as christians we start out strong we get excited god wants us to do something and then the going gets a little tough trials come out in our way tribulation comes our way and we slowly back off from what he has asked us to do we need to be so looking for god and saying god help us to stay strong help us to finish well one of the things we see is that oftentimes people don't finish well. They start out strong. They start running that long race with a fast pace, and they get out front, and they're leading the pack, and then they burn out. God is not looking at how we start the race. He wants to see us finish the race. And Paul is calling on the people, you started well, finish. You know, get, it, get it done. You started a year ago, and you haven't sent it forward yet. And here he's saying to move forward. Don't stop. Keep moving. And we need to keep that awareness as well that God wants us to move forward. To keep moving forward because there is no standing still with God. You're either going forward or you're falling back into the flesh. And here he's telling the people, he started a year ago. Finish it. Get it taken care of. Verse 11. Now therefore perform the doing of it that as there was in readiness to, of, to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which you have. For if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that which a man has and not according to that which he has not. For I mean not that other men be eased and you burdened, but by an equity that now at this time your abundance may be supplied in for their want. For that their abundance may also be a supply for your want, that that there may be equity. As it is written, he that hath gathered much had nothing over, and he that gathered little, no lack. But thanks be to God, which put the same earnest care into the heart of Titus for you. So here he's saying, you know, now perform. Perform. Finish this task that you started. You started out with a ready mind, so perform it. And this is what God keeps telling us. We are to do what we say. We're to be people of our word. Not people that will say one thing and do another, not people who who will say they're going to do something and not do it. Christians need to be people that when they say they're going to do something, they do it. And he goes on to say here, not that there be befer- that they're accepted according to the man half, but for if there be the first willing mind, it is accepted according to that which a man hath, and not according to that which he hath not. God, He's telling people, don't give what you don't have. I'm not asking you to give what you don't have. Many times we hear, especially evangelists on the radio and the TV, they'll be saying, give out of the, you know, give this money and God will bless you so much. You may not be able to afford it, but give it. And we've heard pastors even say that at times. You know, give by faith and God will bless. Paul is telling them very clearly, if you don't have it, don't give it. Don't hurt yourself to give to somebody else. And this is something that is good. It is one thing maybe to step out in faith knowing that you have the money and you want it for another purpose. But God, he's telling you don't take your rent money to give to somebody else. And this is something that we want to be careful of. Not being presumptuous before God. Many people look at this with a presumptuous spirit. I'm going to give to God, and God is going to bless it, because, and God's going to say, well, you had the money, and you gave it away. And this is what he's saying. Don't give what you don't have. Don't plan to give what's not yours to give, but give to God what he asks you to give. And verse 13, For I mean not that other men be eased, that you be and you burdened. So in other words, he's saying, you're not helping somebody else live on easy street, and you end up struggling in yourself because of your gift. And this is something that we need to be looking at. Does what we're giving to actually need to be given to? And this is problems with many charities. They take a huge chunk of the change out of the the pot and say, well, this is going to pay salaries and buildings and, and all these other things, and we're... We're going to collect $100 and give $10 back out. And that's not what we want. But here he's saying, we're not looking to have you guys suffer so that somebody else can have their burden lifted off. The burden will be lifted off them, but not necessarily at your expense. And this is something that is so blessing. God always gives back. When we honor him, with our tithes and offerings, God gives back. And the great news is, and it's been said, you can't outgive God. God will be returning the blessing. When we give a tithe, God says, you're going to be receiving back. Now, again, does it mean every time physical? No. Many times it's going to be spiritual, sometimes it's going to be in heaven. But God also meets our needs. When we decide to give to God, He meets our needs, not to be presumptuous in that gift, but just to say, God, I want to give you what you've asked for. And He says in verse 14, but by an equity, that now at this time your abundance may be the supply for their want, and their abundance also may be a supply for your want, that there may be equity. And God says that each Christian helps another. When you've got the money to help somebody else, you give it to them. You don't sit there and say, well, you know, I don't know if I can afford to do this, so we're not gonna help. Well, if you've got the money, help. When you need it, God will provide the help for you. When you live by faith, that's a wonderful experience as you watch God provide. And then when you've got the money, you help provide for others. You know, this is the blessing of being part of a family. That we help one another. We look after one another. And not that somebody ends up being lazy. This is not what Paul's saying. And this is what he's saying. Not to, not to put somebody else at ease so that you're being burdened. You help somebody. And then they, in turn, help back in, as when, when they're in a better place. And in verse 15, he said, As it is written, he that gathered much had nothing over, and he that gathered little had no lack. And this comes from... Exodus 16.80 when it was talking about collecting the manna. Those who had a greater need collected more manna and they did not have any left over. And those that didn't have a great need gathered very little. But God provided for both. And this is something that was very important because God told them you do not keep anything the next day and if they kept anything over the next day it said that the manna stank and became moldy and got worms in it. And God got angry with those that did that. He goes, "Gather what you need." And this is something important for us. God is asking us to be, you know, helping our, taking advent care of ourselves, but helping others. Not storing up everything, every penny that we can have for our, for our rainy day. Now that doesn't mean we can't store up any for a rainy day. But you know, how much do you need for a rainy day? How much do you need to set aside? That has to be between you and God, but to be ready to go forward, to give, to help others, and be able to say, "Oh, you need this, and you've got the funds. Help them. Don't hold back." Now, if it's somebody that's always always with their hand out, then you may not be looking to help them because you're not really helping them. You're just enabling them to be lazy. But if they're out there trying and they're in a hard spot, help them. And this is what he's saying. The Jerusalem church needs help right now. We want to help them. And it says, And thanks be to God, which put the same earnest care into the heart of Titus for you. You know, he says, Titus has come to you because he loves you so deeply. He wants to come to you and help. Verse 17, For indeed he accepted the exhortation and being more forward of his own accord, he went unto you. So he says, we asked Titus if he wanted to go, but, it, but he was so excited that he went willingly. We didn't even have to ask him. He was planning to go anyway. He wanted to help the Corinthian church. And this is the great thing. When God calls you to do something, you do it willingly. When, when we look for people to help out in the church, we're looking for people who want to do something that are called to do it. God will equip you to do whatever he's asked you to do, but he's not going to expect you to do things that you're not equipped to do. You know, We can stand up and do anything that we needs to be done in the church, but God wants it to be done by the right person. You know, we want to see people come and serve the church. God desires people to step forward. And when we step forward, God equips. How do you know what you want to do in a church? Go do a few things. Check it out. Make a commitment for six months to some some job in the church, whether it's teaching Sunday school or junior church or, or taking care of the property and gardening or whatever it might be. Say, I think I want to try this. I want to let God, I'm going to make a six-month commitment. At the end of the six-month, if it's something you're still enjoying and you think God is blessing, stay at it. If at the end of the six months you say, well, this definitely wasn't for me, at least you know something you're not supposed to do at the church. And... Go ahead and not do it. But, you know, we need people that are willing to stand up. I've said it so many times. I believe that for every single person in the church, there's at least one job that they're supposed to do. At least one. And if every single person in in the church did their one job, what could we accomplish for the kingdom? We have, in most churches, it's been said, and it is true that I've seen, that 10% of the people do the work and that doesn't matter whether you have a very small church like ours where it's only 3 or 4 people that are doing the work or a great big church where you get you know 10,000 people and 1,000 people are doing the work when you could have done you know had a lot more but it is true where are the 90% that aren't doing anything why aren't they doing something? And you know, we gotta be able to look. What is it that they're going to do? I don't know. What is it that God's called them to do? I don't know. Maybe it's just being a prayer warrior, and I mean a true prayer warrior. I've, I've met people who said, well, I'm a prayer warrior, and you ask them, how many, well, how many prayers have you had answered? Well, I don't think I've had any answered. Well, that doesn't sound much like a prayer warrior to me. Prayer warriors get their prayers answered. Soul winners win, win souls to Christ. Teachers teach, preachers preach. What is it that God has called you to do? What has he equipped you to do in a special way? Step up and do what he's asked you to do. Not for glory, not for honor, but just to seek God. Then in verse 18, "And And we have sent with him the brother whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches. And not that only, but who also was chosen of the churches to travel with us, with this grace, which is administered by us to the glory of the same Lord and the declaration of your ready mind. Avoiding this, that no man should blame us in this abundance, which is administered by us. Providing for honest things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. So with Titus was sent a brother. We have no idea who that brother is. Many people have speculated, and we're not going to look at the speculation because nobody knows. We know that they sent with Titus somebody else. And this is good policy that he's going to get into, that Titus isn't going to rip them off. He's not going to siphon off and skim off some of the money. They sent somebody else with him. And it says, this person is praised in, in the gospel throughout the churches. So this was not a nobody. This was somebody that was known. And they would have known when he got there who it was. But this person has a great reputation. And the people would know who he was. But, and not only that, he but who was also chosen of the churches to travel with us with this grace. So he says, other, it's not just he's known, but the other churches chose him to go with us as we took up this gift. So he's traveling with us, which ministered, which administered the glory to the same, of the same Lord and the declaration of your ready mind. So he says, he's here to just help. He's here to help witness, to make sure that things go right. This is one of the reasons that in most churches we have re- requirements that money is counted by two people. So that that person isn't ever accused of skimming off money, that this person isn't ever accused of cheating. And Paul's saying, you know, hey, we've got Paul and Titus and all my company, but the churches also have sent somebody of their choosing to accompany us with this money. And then verse 20, avoiding. You know, and I kind of like this, avoiding, you know, to make sure that there's no problems, you know, to set in order this, that no man should blame us in the abundance of which is administered by us. Apparently, this gift that they were taking to Jerusalem was turning into a very large gift, and Paul saying, I'm happy for this other person to be able to look at it. He's, he's going to make sure that we're not taking it because he wasn't one of us. He wasn't one of, he was not one, one of the inner circle of Paul. He says he's going to help make sure that this stays pure and clean. How many of us, when we get into that situation, somebody goes, well, I just think you need to have yourself monitored, and we take it personal. Well, they're calling us a thief. Well, one thing I have learned over the years is large amounts of money can can tempt people. And we've seen it over and over again how when there's much, there's great temptation. You know, it's pretty easy to ignore a dollar bill. It's pretty easy to ignore $20. But what if you have $100,000 and you go, wow, I could just give them a little bit off this. and Nobody would even know. And Paul's saying, I'm glad this man is here to keep us in there. Providing for honest things, not only in the sight of God, but also in the sight of man. You know, it's, and when we really truly believe that God is everywhere, it's pretty easy to stay true to him. Well, you know, I can't take this because God would see. But he's saying, not only in God's sight, but also in the sight of man. We want to make sure that men know that we've been honest, that we have not siphoned off. We have not skimmed off. We are We we are completely aboard with this offering. This offering is is being taken up for Jerusalem, and all of it is going to Jerusalem. And this is the wonderful thing. Again, how many places out there that are taking money skim off the top? Legitimately, they're, they're allowed to. They need to in some cases. But some offerings are said this whole amount goes where it's going. For us in the for the Southern Baptists, we have the Lottie Moon offering each, each Christmas season, and they, all of the money given goes out to the missionaries. The Annie Armstrong, all the money given goes to the missionaries. No, they don't take a, a portion off the top to say, okay, this is our handling fee. Paul is saying, we're not, hand- we're not taking this money, and we're having somebody watch it, knowing what's given, and knowing what's coming in, and knowing what's going out, and we're going to be able to stand up before God and before men to tell them this is what's being used. This is why our church has its business meetings. And we present the amount of money given and how we've spent it so that people know what they're giving to, know how the money is being distributed. It's one of the reasons I as a pastor don't count the money and I don't pay out any money because I don't want to have that any part of that expertise and sometimes that's hard for me because I am somebody that can knows how to handle money and to, to control money but just to stay out and say no I don't want to know who gives. I don't want to know how you know what's going on. I don't want to be the one writing the checks and paying the bills. I you know I do want to see the the statements but I don't want to know all the ins and outs and who does what. Give me totals. And this is what Paul's saying. We're going to be honest before all men and before God that we're handling this gift correctly. Verse 22. And we have sent with them our brother, whom we have oftentimes proved diligent in many things, but now much more diligent upon the great confidence which I do have in you. Whether any do inquire of Titus, he is my partner, my fellow helper, concerning you. Or our brethren, which inquire of They are the ministers of the churches for the glory of Christ. Wherefore, show you to them and before the churches the proof of your love and are boasting on your behalf. And here he's saying, we have sent to you our brother, whom we have oftentimes proved diligent in many things. Proved, again, dokimoso, somebody who has proved the value and integrity of something. He has been proven over and over to be diligent. God proves us in all things. Whatever it is He's asking us to do, He will prove us. He will test us. If we say we love other people, He will test: Do we love? If we or if we're trying to boast about forgiving people, He will say: Are you forgiving? You know, whatever it is that He's asking us to do, He will say: Are you sure? Are you proved? And here he says, our brother has been proved and now much more diligent. You know, we, we found him to be diligent. Now he's much more diligent and with great confidence I have in you. Therefore, if any inquire of Titus, he is my partner and my fellow helper concerning you. He says, if you want to question Titus, you're questioning me. He is, he is me. He is my partner. He's my fellow laborer. I have sent him. He is speaking with authority that comes from me. And this is the way partners are supposed to be. When one partner says something, it binds the other partner. Whether it's in a marriage or a business or in a church, we see this binding, and this is what Paul is saying. He speaks for me. Or our other brethren be inquired. They are the messengers of the churches so if you're questioning them, you're questioning the other churches because they sent the brethren. He goes, be careful how you do this. And this is something that is so important. You know, Paul is not saying that, uh, you know, just accept anybody who shows up. But he says, these individuals, you know, Titus is carrying my letter. You know, Titus is carrying this letter to tell you who I am and he comes from me. And now I'm telling you these other messengers with Titus are from the other churches, and they're going to give you the glory to God. And therefore, wherefore show you to them and before the churches the proof of your love. He says, give them, here's your chance to show off. You know, not all showing off in the spiritual realm is bad, but he says, here's your chance to show off. Give a good gift. And prove your love and are boasting on your behalf. Paul boasted about the Corinthians. You know, he says this over and over with the other churches, how much he boasts for the, about their growth, about where they at. One of the greatest things for a pastor is to boast, this is where my church is. This is what's going on. See the growth in my church. And then when somebody comes and they actually see it, you know, wonderful things when a church loves one another and, and cares about one another and works with one another. Wonderful thing when people respond to the messages of God and go forward and stand up and say, I'm going to live in the gospel message that was given. I'm going to step forward and follow up with what's going on. I'm going to love God with all my heart because I've been challenged to do that. Here Paul is saying, I've been telling people how good you are, and how righteous you are, and what wonderful people you are, and what a wonderful church you are. Stand up and prove it now. And he's challenging them to prove their standing and his boasting in them. You know, what a wonderful thing that happens here. And here Paul is saying, here's your chance, church. Here's your chance. Here is a chance to give to those in need i've been saying that you love now i want to see that you show your love lord we just thank you for this day help us to be able to stand forward and be proven vessels that will reach out and touch others in your love and your care and we just thank you in jesus name amen